right, so Joseph Smith had an experience in the woods in New York. He actually had an experience with an extraterrestrial. He probed me and then different ones of them come in and all of them probed me. And I believe that it was the Asani people. There are those who believe that life here began out there. But only an account of this earth and the inhabitants thereof give I unto you. Earth is a grand experiment. Far across the universe with a council of gods whose work and glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. For behold, there are many worlds that have passed away by the word of my power, and there are many that now stand, and innumerable are they unto man. For as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. You wanted to learn how to integrate duality. You wanted to learn how to take light and dark and remove all judgment. Some believe that infants who die here become eternal gods out there. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 736 return to Kolob. Joseph Smith versus Wendy Kennedy, eternal progression through a peepstone-produced playground of ninth-dimensional Pleiadian perspectives, part three, where I am once again joined by Mike and Shalise from the Mormons on Mushrooms podcast to play around with the ideas of Wendy Kennedy, who channels galactic wisdom from the ninth-dimensional Pleiadian collective, which is not all that different, in my mind at least, from the teachings of Joseph Smith that he channeled through a peepstone to form the foundations of the Mormon Church, which in turn largely formed the way that I see the world from a very young age with my Mormon-formed mind. And you know what? I recently got to talk to Wendy Kennedy. Very briefly, I asked her if what she was doing is real or imagined. I'd like to hear you talk about imagination versus reality. Do the peas exist in an external outer reality or an imagined inner reality? And what is the relationship between imagination and reality? We could spend hours on this one. So we'll, we'll try to, Let's do to it. be brief. <laughs> and she gave me about a 20 minute answer. Now I'll include the whole thing as an Easter egg at the end of today's episode. And I'll also spend some time discussing my response to her answer in the new study group that I'm creating. You know. Sergeant Prophet's Open Hearts Club virtual study group thingy, 
where we can take this podcasting thing to a whole nother level. Find out more details on the website, infantsonthrones.com, or you can check out my new website, glennostlin.com, to learn more about some of my other projects, including my life coaching services, and even schedule some time to chat with me directly if you want. I have really been enjoying getting to know more of you listeners, and I'd love to get to know you too. So go check out glennostlin.com and schedule a time to say hi. And speaking of hi... I now give you the next installment of my discussion with two-thirds of the Mormons on Mushrooms crew, Mike and Shalise, as we talk about soul groups, soul contracts, overlays, and walk-ins. Enjoy. Hang on to your hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Well, I'll start recording that. So, so let's, so let, because, well, I might keep this in, I might not. I've been really hesitant to to publish that one, but I I like that we're recording again tonight. And it's been what a month, maybe longer than a month. It's been, yeah, it's been a while, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. Um, because then I can kind of chop them up. Because I liked your idea, Shalise, of doing like multiple episodes. I'll probably do like a part one, a part two, and then this one to be like a part three, and mm. right, depending on how long we go, how much we have to talk about. But uh, what what were your thoughts when you listened back to it, Shalise? I just love talking about all of the concepts that most people haven't even heard of before, like the alien thing and <laughs> different dimensions and just like playing with those ideas because you're not really allowed to play with those ideas in Mormonism. It's all very structured and tunnel visioned and not a lot of room for curiosity. So be. I just love talking about crazy stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, th- we've got some even more crazy stuff to talk about tonight. They're like concepts that I've never, never, ever heard of before, like these overlays and walk-ins and like, holy shit. I have, have? I have, so I'm excited. Yeah. Good. Because I'm approaching this one with like wide-eyed wonder here. Because I was listening to what you said (laughs) this morning, Glenn. Yeah. I listened to it again today and I'm like, what? I've never heard of that. What? Like, Did you uh, listen to the whole thing or just the clips that I put together? Oh, the clips. Yeah. Were there, I didn't know there was a whole thing. That would have maybe helped. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so there, there was those clips came from. Uh, so so <laughs> so I've started doing her monthly calls, and then she oh, also cool. has a library where you can go and buy MP3s, but they're not MP3 or I guess they're MP3s. They're not. They used to be compact discs, but um, I bought so many of them. I just I just keep devouring them and so this one comes from something about the akashic records oh yeah and there was a part one and a part two so we i sent you a part two of that one but you haven't but you didn't hear it mike did did you did you listen to the full one am i gonna be ill prepared i feel like i didn't do my homework you guys (laughs) no i i listened to the clips as well and yeah Cause I figured if that was the most important thing to you or what you were most interested in, I would just like listen to that and we could go from there. It was, but you know, like I, I kind of put the clips together thinking that you guys had gotten the other one and would listen to it. And there would be things in there oh. that you want, but that's okay. <laughs> focus on the clips, focus I guess. The clips. The other yeah. For the next time. I mean, there's plenty to there's talk to- about. There's, there's a lot to talk about <laughs> for sure. All right. So you want to jump into the first clip? Yeah. Do it. All right. Your blueprint includes all of the filters 
all of the belief structures from these other lifetimes that you've already had that you're carrying over. I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, I'm dependent on others for my survival. I am, uh, I'm persecuted. I can't be myself because if I'm myself, then others will judge me. There are all kinds, all these filters, all these beliefs that you want to clear from these other lifetimes. So you set all those beliefs up uh, as part of your blueprint. In this particular life, you're going to want to focus on it. And then you make contracts with your friends and you say, all right, I'm going to go down and I want to work on abandonment. And, you know, you talk to your best friend and you say, you know, we played this, this scenario out in 10 lies and we still haven't gotten it. We haven't been able to let go of all of our judgment around it and to see that I'm not really abandoned, that it's just an illusion that I'm always connected. So maybe if we try it uh, this time with you in a male body and you as my friend, uh, and if we create this kind of scenario where we have an argument about, you know, I'm not feeling supported and you're not there for me, that I feel abandoned, then maybe we can work through it this time. I heard that sound at the end of it. And I started looking around like, where is that coming from? Oh, yeah, I put that in there. In the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that creeped me out. All right. So well, where, where do you want to start the conversation? Shalise. Soul groups. Soul groups. Soul groups, right? I mean, I've, I've talked about it before on Mormons on Mushrooms, and it's something that I've been familiar with actually since probably 10 years ago when I first started journeying out of Mormonism and more into the spiritual side of things, because I was reading a lot of books by James von Prague. Have you guys heard of him or, or read his books? I have not. He is, he's a, a medium, a clairvoyant and an author, obviously, and he's been writing books since like the early 90s. And I've seen him in person a few times, absolutely incredible. And he talks a lot about soul groups and how we have these contracts with each other and we decide this is what we're going to do. We're going to play it out. We're going to go down and, and try and work through this stuff. So this isn't a new concept for me. So I'm curious to think or see what you guys think about it. What do you think about it, Mike? Well, I mean, I've learned about it recently because I've been, uh, I was listening to the the book uh, journey of souls and they talk about it there but i have questions about soul groups like so is there a typical size have you heard when they talk about soul, soul groups because it seems like you are always in that same soul group or some people can graduate out of it and like how big do we know how i mean do we get into that i don't really know yeah. i mean i've kind of gotten the impression that it's and Maybe this is just like a collective impression of different sources that I've learned this from, but it seems maybe like 10 to 15 people, like the people that are closest to you in your life now, you can kind of count them or the people who, when you meet them, you just know that you've known them before, or you're like, oh, why do I feel like we could just talk for hours and I barely even know you. You have this strange connection, this familiarity with them. And so I don't think that group of people would be very big. At least it's not for me. Probably like 10 in my life that I can think of off the top of my head. I think it's bigger than that. You do? Yeah. Like, like, like infinite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it could be, it could be a few, it could be everyone, but if it's everyone, then is it anyone at all? Well, I think that, but I think there's, a, I think there's, so I guess the question is not how many soul groups are there, but how many human beings would you group together as a soul group yeah that's oh, right. what i Sorry, thought that's we were talking about yeah 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 um <laughs> no, <it was> mad. <laughs> no idea i'll tell you the, the first time that i did ayahuasca one of 
one of these impressions that came to me was that these people that were in the room with me, that we were all conspiring with each other at a soul level, like that we were communicating with each other there. And I don't like I, the, the idea of soul contracts and stuff. Like I've kind of struggled with that a, a little bit. Um, but that there are things that are going on that we're doing for each other that we might not even consciously be aware of that, that might, might not even, so like what you were saying, Shalisa, you were thinking that maybe it's around 10 people because you're thinking about the number of people that you've really been close to in your life and have this really close, deep connection. But I, mm-hmm. I think a soul group could be somebody that I never even meet, but we're like, I'm yeah. doing something that's impacting what they're going to do. And they're doing something that's going to impact what I'm going to do through this like domino effect of like cause and effect. But, but why, like what, why would, why would soul groups group together in and form contracts? Like what's the whole point of it? Well, it seems like everything that she talks about is playing out this game. So Mm -hmm. you can't have a game without all the players doing what they're supposed to do. It's, I feel like it has to fit together in a way that I get what I need, you get what you need and everyone gets what they need. But how can that happen if we don't almost predetermine in some fashion how everything's going to play out? And then that gets into agency. Well, is everything predetermined and we're just like on it for the ride and no choice in the matter? I don't know. Um, There is something in, in Journey of Souls that kind of talks about your soul group tends to be souls that are at your same level of development. And so not that you won't have close connections with like people from other levels of development, but that your soul group tends to kind of be at that same level. Mm. And so maybe there's just a part of it of like, we know where we want to go next. And so, and we, so we know what roles we want to play in each other's lives to help us all get to that next step. And so we're, it's like, we're growing individually, but we're also growing as a collective soul group. Um, Yeah. That's always, that's always been a a place where I get stuck when I think about like soul groups and soul growth, because I don't under like, what is soul growth? What does that even mean? (laughs) What, what is it that people need in contracting and having these kinds of experience? And I, I've listened to a lot of what Wendy has to say with this, ninth dimensional Pleiadian stuff. And I love the answers that she gives to that. And so I could give you some summer summaries of what she says about it, but I'm curious what you guys think about what, why would a soul need to grow? What, what does that even mean? I've gone back and forth on that back and forth on that many times, especially coming out of Mormonism when you're taught that you need to become something or achieve the highest level of heaven or whatever it might be. And so I kept thinking, okay, well, I have to graduate from earth or something. But I think what I've landed on, at least for now, is that it's not really about growth. It's about an expansion of perspective. It's more about the experience than it is about becoming better or bigger, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is it about then understanding or experiencing more mm. to where, you know, if you're expanding and expanding beyond, you know, I'm, I'm doing this motion with my hands, like a, like uh, a, yeah. like a birthing, right? Like a, like a, um, 
contrasting, uh, contracting and a expanding, you know? Yeah. And to where you understand, you know, you think of like a lot of the quote unquote bad things that happen in our society, you know, murder, rape, stealing, death, whatever, like, but you come to, you expanded enough to understand that, or you maybe have experienced that in one life where you were the perpetrator and then you were the victims. Mm -hmm. You understand the wounding that the perpetrator is coming from so that, that you can get to a place where you can be like, oh, I can see why he did that action. And so I can forgive, you know? Um, mm, forgive. forgive, so forgiveness. Okay. Well, maybe I like that, like a forgiveness, but then like a, an understanding. Why, why would a soul need to learn how to forgive? That's a good question. <laughs> well, because it, why do we need to do anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we need anything really. It's all just part of the experience. It's part of the play. As she says, it's part of yeah. the game. Yeah. What, and and do, do you remember like what the game is? I mean, I feel like I'm quizzing you because I like I, I, I have something in mind. It's like I'm thinking of a number. What is it? Oh, you're close. <laughs> like I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but but I but I like the process of of like watching how you work through it in your mind because that's what I've spent so much time doing. Is trying to, <laughs> like grapple with these ideas and go, wait, but why would that even make any sense? Mm. I don't know. So so the game, Shalise. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what she says about the game? Um, I, th I think she was just talking about it being an experience. We just, we come here because, and it's one of the clips I believe that you're going to play is more about experiencing something that is impossible to experience in other dimensions and other realms. It's yeah. just satisfying a curiosity about learning. Maybe that's what it is. It's just about learning whether, cause I don't like seeing it as growth because that implies that you have to necessarily do things. And I think yeah. it's just more about the experience, right? But are you, are you feeling like growth from like a, like a capitalist America growth, like climbing a ladder? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's yeah. more, when we say growth, it's just more like, you know, understanding more and experiencing more to where you just are coming at it from a different perspective than someone who's caught in the middle of it. You're like, oh, I see you, you're in the middle of it. And it's not that I'm better than you, but it's like, I've been through there. I've been through that before. I know what it feels like and I understand. Yeah. That's why I like the word expansion more than mm -hmm. growth. I like that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, so here's, here's the way that I think about it. Um, and I, I don't know how much of a tangent I'm going to go on with this one, but I'm going to start with the movie Defending Your Life. What are you looking at? What's wrong? You, you look good in that tupa. Some people don't, but you do. It's flattering to you. Thanks. So, is this what you thought it would be? Thought what would be? Where am I? Is this heaven? No, it isn't heaven. Is it hell? No, it isn't hell either. Actually, there is no hell. Although I hear Los Angeles is getting pretty close. Well, Daniel, let me tell you what's going on. When you're born into this universe, you're in it for a long, long time. You have many different lifetimes. And after each lifetime, there's an examining period which you're in now. You see, every second of every lifetime is always recorded. And as each one ends, we sort of look at it. Look at a few of the days, 
Examine it. And then, if everybody agrees, you move forward. What do you mean, move forward? I mean, move forward, continue onward. The point of this whole thing is to keep getting smarter, to, to keep growing, to use as much of your brain as possible. For example, I use 48% of my brain. Do you know how much you use? 47? <laughs> Three. I'm sorry? Three. I use 3% of my brain? Yes, don't worry about it. Everybody on Earth uses 3% of their brain. 3 to 5%. That's why they're there. 3? 3%? 3%? You mean nobody on Earth uses more than that? When you use more than 5% of your brain, you don't want to be on Earth, believe me. But I'm going to start with the movie Defending Your Life, which I, which I referenced last time we talked. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's Al Brooks. And he, he, he dies, and he's, he kind of goes on trial. And his lawyer who's representing him, there's this really funny scene where they sit down and the lawyer's played by Rip Torn. And he's like, well, I, I defend little brains like you. And he's like, little brains? What do you mean? He goes, well, being from Earth as you are and using as little of your brain as you do, your life has pretty much been devoted to dealing with fear. It has? Well, everybody on Earth deals with fear. That's what little brains do. What are little brains? That's what we call you folks behind your back. Forgive me. Who are you? Well, I'm just like you. I was on Earth a long time ago. But I advanced. I moved forward. I got over my fears, and I got smarter. Did you have friends whose stomachs hurt? Every one of them. It's fear. Fear is like a giant fog. It sits on your brain and blocks everything. Real feelings, true happiness, real joy. They can't get through that fog. But you lift it, and buddy, you're in for the ride of your life. And, and so there was this whole idea of that fear is something that keeps you using only small percentages of your brain. So as you learn how to let go of fear, you start using more of your mental capacity. You know, like, what would it be? So, so that, that was an interesting idea. And I thought, well, what, what would be keeping... Rip Torn's character at 53% instead of at 60% because one of the other characters had a lawyer that's at 60% or something. And then there, were, there was another lawyer that Rip Torn really didn't like. And she was about 55% or something. They really didn't like each other. And I, so I started thinking maybe, maybe if they did learn to like each other or kind of like what you said, Mike, or forgive each other, then maybe they don't, they're, they're letting go of fear, like whatever that fear is that puts up the resistance of not liking somebody, or I think in this case, of thinking that you're separate from somebody else. Because if, if you go back to this idea that everything is unity, source energy, and that the source energy is totally omniscient, omnipotent, it has all of the raw data of everything, but then it wants to have unique experience. It wants to be surprised by things. And so it sections itself off into um, oversouls. And, and that's a process of creating filters within source energy so that one oversoul thinks it's separate from another oversoul, from another oversoul. And, and these different oversouls, they think that they're separate, but they know that they're not, but they're just separating in order to play this game. And then the oversouls have like multiple soul groups. And then these soul groups have these 
um, higher selves and these higher selves incarnate as humans that have like multiple lives, but they're all, they're all being lived out there because there really is no time. So they're, they're all happening simultaneously. So the, the game is dissension from that one source energy breaking into all of these little pieces and then coming back up ascension through the process of integration, which is forgiveness. Integration is dropping judgment the way that Wendy talks about it. So I, I just love the way that she takes this idea and just blows open my mind. So instead of just thinking about this one planet, I'm thinking about the whole galaxy and I'm thinking about <laughs> the universe. And she says, there's, there are over souls that have soul groups and higher selves that incarnate into other systems in the galaxy besides earth, but they have different experiences because it's a different biological body that they're in and their emotional ranges are different. And so there's, there's these higher selves that have learned how to integrate up to 53%, but they just can't get past this little bit. And so they come to earth where earth is much more challenging. Um, and they, they replay dramas that they had done in other systems, but they do it here on earth in different ways as a way to learn the subtleties. How do I go from 53% to 55% or 56% or, and, and it's something that every single person's experience is recorded in this Akashic record that everybody else is connected to and draws from. So you can kind of like learn from what other people have done. And it's all, it, it's, it's like the freaking hearts of the fathers are turned to the children and the hearts yeah. of the children are turned to the fathers. And we're all, you know, like saved by each other's experiences and stuff. But did that make sense? What I just explained? Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of things. Well, I mean, to the, I mean, I love one, how you talk about, I love the word no judgment or like, yeah, that integration means dropping judgment. Dropping and that's judgment. really what the game is all about. And I like that. I'm almost better about, than forgiveness. Maybe that's just because forgiveness wraps up in my Mormon thing. Yeah. Like, there's, there's baggage with that. But, yeah, yeah. To like, cause one forgiveness of, implies that there's anything to forgive right yeah. when, when you drop judgment it's almost like i'm dropping judgment because there really is nothing to forgive here yeah because i thought that you harmed me yeah and now i realize you are actually doing me a favor you are giving me something that really hit against my stuff that forced me to either integrate or not yeah I got to deal with this. I got to resolve this somehow. I've got, I've got to find a way of creating inner peace with this situation. And, and then of course we always run up against the same thing that we talked about last time, Shalise. And this goes into, you know, your oh, yeah. experience. You already got, that. you already got me a gut punch there. I was like, Ooh, felt that. Yeah. Felt that. <laughs> yeah. So I want to be sensitive of, about that. Cause that's, that's where this thing gets tripped up all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. It's a lot to take in, especially from the perspective of a human from a human yeah. perspective, because we only know life as we experience it. So when we talk about these concepts that are so beyond our understanding, really, like, I mean, even when she talks, sometimes I'm like jaw to the floor, like what? This is yeah. crazy. I mean, yeah. it's even almost hard to process it intellectually, let alone in real life. Like how does this actually integrate? How does this work? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's hard to take our mentality out of the third dimensional space to try to understand <laughs> these concepts, first yeah. of all. But it is 
I think it's important to do, at least for those who are curious and exploring these different things and seeing yeah. life through that perspective. Do, do you think that this idea of integration applies to ways that you've found healing in your life in dealing with that experience and like creating more of a sense of peace? Yeah, I, I do think it has played a role. Um, it's funny that you say that because actually one of the first things that I did was I found someone who could tap into the Akashic on my behalf yeah. and gave me just this full rundown of kind of the backstory, almost like a soul contract in a way or what I was meant to do by coming here and experiencing that trauma that really released me of the burden of a lot of it. Um, so I guess you could say it did play a big part in my healing when I really just looked at it from a different perspective. Yeah. So if, so if you thought that the healing that you're doing as a result of this is then going into some kind of cloud of, uh, you know, like Akashic record, the cloud of data for every experience that everybody kind of, I think one of the clips in here, everybody experiences, you know, reads everybody else's Akashic records and stuff that does, does that thought help you feel like what you're doing is benefiting not only you, but other people as well? Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, that's really the purpose of what I'm trying to do by writing my book, by telling my story. It's the same yeah. type of intention of, well, if, it. yeah, my experience sucked, but maybe it can help someone else. Yeah. So let's capitalize on that. Yeah. What were you going to say, Mike? I was just going to say about the, and it goes back to the no judgment part, because you were talking about if it feels like in my own growth. And that that's one that really resonates with me just how much I used to judge when I was Mormon. I mean, I re remember being at Disneyland actually soon after leaving the Mormon church and being like, oh, I realized that I'm not like judging everybody right now, you know, <laughs> like what, what, wow. how I used to do. Uh, and benevolent, I would do it benevolently. Benevolent, benevolent, yes. like kind judgment. Yeah. Kind judgment. Right. On behalf how, of God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I would still do it. And then to now think of like, as I've gone on this journey, the last couple of years of like, you know, inner exploration and, and just how many, how much less judgment I have for so many things. Mm. Um, and I feel like that that's a progress. I feel good about, you know, I, I don't get worked up over things that I used to get worked up about and it feels, feels good. Yeah. You know? And usually if there is a judgment and it's a trigger, it's like, oh, this is something I need to look at within myself. Why is this so triggering to me? Yeah. yeah. What an amazing oh. realization to even have when you, in that moment, you're like, wow, I actually am not judging people anymore. Because I think when you're so involved in the church, you have no idea you're even doing it. Like you think right. you're being a good person by doing yeah. it, you know, judging them for not going to church because you're thinking, oh, what ways could... I be a better person and get more bricks in heaven by getting them to come back into the fold. And it's all of this righteous judgment, Yeah. but to have that perspective of, Oh, the judgment's gone. It's just totally new and totally different. That's awesome. Right. And, and then, and then did, did you have this experience? Cause I, I know I did and I'm still working my way through it of coming out of that Mormon thing. And then I'm judging the Mormons yeah. from my yeah. ex-Mormon perspective and I'm judging everybody. So like, do that. But yeah. maybe I'm moving a little bit, yeah. but I'm still judging. Uh -huh. And, you know, like I, I, I was, um, 
I I'm life coaching now and I was coaching, I, I'm doing a, a group coaching and one of the members of the group last night shared this amazing experience where she went to church, you know, she's in one of those mixed faith marriage where her husband is in and kind of, he wants the kids to all go in, but she's like, I don't really want to go to church. And they've got a deal. And like, sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't. And this last time he kind of insisted that she went and she just really didn't want to. But then she thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to try to imagine that this is my very first time in a Mormon church and see what happens. And as she was like watching things, thinking from that perspective, she noticed that things that would have bothered her, she found hilarious. And she was just giggling the whole time. And she, she went away from that feeling so much better than she ever had before. Because, and, and we didn't talk specifically about this, but she had dropped judgment because she had replaced it with curiosity. And she's like, it just made me want to get to know who are these people more um, than just like, oh, they're stupid. That's so dumb. I can't believe, why are they still believe this shit? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, That's a cool yeah. experience. And I love that. I mean, even I, I even now judge sometimes ex-Mormons, right. And how they're yeah. ex-Mormoning, right. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, what is, what is progress from, from that soul level? And like, if, if souls can learn, Oh, here's how I can drop judgment in this area. I can, Oh, okay. All right. I learned that. Here's how I can forgive. Here, here's how I can not feel so separate from other people, but recognize, Oh, we are all one. And then maybe that's the way that higher souls merged again together to get back to all that one unity thing. I like that story. The, the other thing I wanted to share from this clip before we move on to the next one, it, it was another thing that happened in my ayahuasca, my first ayahuasca experience and has to do with judgment because I had this closed eye vision of all of these faces. And it was almost, almost like, almost like cartoon faces, but they were real, they were realistic, but they were like fly, flying at me, just like all of these faces. And I'm like, what is this? What, why am I seeing all these faces? And the Pleiadians came in and said, <laughs> they said, these, these are the faces of all of the different lives that you've, that you've lived that, you know, th that have been you. And I'm like, why, why am I seeing this? Why are you showing me this? And they said, because you have a lot of judgment towards your parents and towards church leaders and other people around you for the way that things are in this life. But you don't realize that you're carrying wounds and scars and things from all these other lives out there too. So you can lighten up. You can, you can lighten up on your parents and church leaders, things like that. And I didn't really put that to, you know, like I wrote that down as I was writing down my notes, but that was three years ago. I didn't really put that together until like a few months ago and was revisiting that went, Oh yeah, I forgot that that had happened. And I don't know, it kind of fits with this. What a cool experience. And <laughs> yeah. One more thing with that, because it ties into what it was talking about. I feel like with the blueprint, right? Yeah. We still yeah. come here with the blueprint and I'm actually reading a, a book right now called, uh, have you heard of uh, the soul's code, right? Mm. James Hillman. No. Oh, I think I have heard of that yeah. one. So he, the book's about this theory, he calls it the acorn theory, which is similar mm. to the blueprint that like our life is inborn with like a mission a purpose, something that we want to learn or grow from, or something we want to do here. And yeah. that drives us so much more. He calls it like the parental fallacy. The, our parents had such an impact on our lives. Yeah. But really, and he gives, he gives an example of two twins who were separated at birth. One had a mom who was like super messy. Another one had a mom that was super neat. Both kids grew up 
because in their acorns, they were both very like neat and tidy. Both kids grew up that way. And one's like, oh yeah, I grew up tidy because of my mother. My mother was always tidy. And the other one's like, I grew up tidy because I'm the opposite of my mother. My mother was so messy and I wanted to be different. But really, you know, our parents, the parental fallacy calls it and the whole, and also if you look at what our parents were shaped from and the ancestral lines that go down to our parents, our parents are just one small blip in our whole ancestral line. And so if we're carrying ancestral trauma or ancestral traits that are separate from, I guess, our acorn or our blueprint, that's, that's going so much, so far past our parents that our parents are just, are, they're caught up in the same shit we were. Yeah, they're that. doing stuff. That, yeah, they got their own stuff. They've got to integrate. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and before I move on to the next clip, I remembered that there was the question that you asked earlier about, like, does this mean that it's predestined if there's soul contracts? And, and there's two things that I, I don't think I included it in any of these clips, but two things that I've heard Wendy say in, at other times. And one is that these soul contracts are constantly being negotiated and renegotiated. So every night when you sleep, your consciousness leaves your body and you're, you're communicating with your soul groups and other things. And, and some people might be like, you know what, we agreed to do this, but I don't want to do it anymore. We're out. And so you, mm. it, it's very, very malleable with that. And then the other part that there are multiple timelines yeah. and that they're <laughs> like, they all exist side by side. And so there's, there's the, the, it, within the fabric of space time is kind of baked in any possible moment that you could ever inhabit. And it's all being inhabited by your higher self, but it's only this conscious ego that's aware of one. And it feels like we're on one timeline, but we're really hopping back and forth from timelines all the time. And we don't really even know it. She, she uses this analogy of like a harp with strings and how each, each string has a different tone. And that's kind of like each linear timeline, but we're really going back and forth between them all the time. And it's just a fascinating concept. So nothing is really predestined or predetermined. There's still the, the possibility to change or break a soul contract, but it's, it's all in the spirit of playing this game of ascension and dissension where we're trying to learn integration and, uh, I don't know, of all of the fictional stories about the nature of the world and God and things like that that I've ever heard, this one's my favorite. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would read this Bible and reread it. And <laughs> I have been, I right? have been, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, let's move on to the second clip. Sometimes if you have not been to this planet a lot, um, the call came out that other beings in other star systems w were requested to incarnate to Earth to bring in some fresh energy, these lifetimes that you've had in other systems, the knowledge and wisdom that you gained, you are bringing in because it's in your energetic field and you can tap into those records at any time. But you haven't been in such a dense body very often. So what you will do is create an imprint or an overlay. And imprints and overlays from this dimension are no different than a past life that you yourself have stepped into and had the experience of. Another way you can think of it is, is like you downloading a program on how something is done or a how-to book that you've absorbed and you just take it on as it's your own. I had this experience and I learned about abandonment in this lifetime or I experienced abandonment in this lifetime or I experienced how to integrate 
abandonment in this lifetime. So what you'll do is you will find a record of another being who has perhaps integrated that issue. They've learned how to work through it. And you will overlay it as one of your own lifetimes. That sound got me again. I feel like I hear that and I start lo looking at my phone like I got to turn this <laughs> off. Um, all right. So what, what did you guys think about that, Clem? What, what, what did you pull out of it? Well, I have a lot of questions. This is the first time I've ever heard of this one. Um, all right. And two, does it feel like <laughs> cheating to you guys a little bit? Like Cheating? Well, like cheating is in, I'm going to overlay this experience onto my, I didn't really experience it, but I'm going to overlay it as if I did. So I, but that's assuming it's a, a big test and we're being graded at the end. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah. So I guess it depends on what perspective you're looking at it from. I guess if I'm looking at it from the Mormon perspective or just the perspective <laughs> of like, not even just Mormon, but like getting a, an A at the end of the of the exam right then it's like oh yeah then i'll just like overlay all of it and pass but like but it's not it's not like passing it it so the way that i think of it is like a like a gamer approach you know like if i'm doing a, a role-playing game like if if, <laughs> if i'm playing skyrim and i i, I know that i want to go down like that vampire track or whatever it is and i may i never tried it as a cat character before I've, or i've done it as a lizard or i know that if i do this then i'm going to have this kind of experience but i don't have that actual experience in my back so i'm going to build this profile and i'm going to go in under this character and i've got like a hundred skill points that i can add to certain attributes and so i'm going to give myself 40 agility and 300 intelligence, you know, whatever it is. Like, I think that's, that's what it sounds like to me when I hear her talking about blueprints and filters. Um, anyway. I mean, I like how she talked about the starseed thing. She didn't use the word starseed, but we brought this up in the last one hmm. when there was like a call for higher dimensional beings to come down and kind of raise the frequency of the planet. Hmm. So I liked that kind of callback. Um, but I think it actually makes sense, especially if these higher dimensional beings that she mentions haven't had the experience on earth, but still need to navigate this game. They still yeah. need to be equipped enough to do what they came here to do. And so they would, like you said, load themselves with all of these things that they need to succeed. So I think yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Like if, if, if these, these higher selves, these, these pieces of the soul, have been primarily on other planets in other systems working on whatever abandonment is like, like how do you integrate abandonment? And they've gone as far as they can go in that system and they wanna to come to earth to try it, but they don't have that experience. And they go, okay, how can I match from souls that have lived in life that have, have the same kind of level of abandonment where I'm coming in at, how can, I, how can I duplicate that with kind of the same, their experiences and then taking it on? Um, <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I just, I freaking love these ideas. And I, <laughs> I do want to, I do want to build on what I, what I said about it's my favorite fiction of everything. When, when I was studying folklore, there was a big emphasis on the way that folklore functions, like what it's doing, what is the value that's being provided? Because one of the definitions of folklore is that it exists in multiple variations. So you're, you're never really going to find one identical copy of 
a story or a tale, you know, whatever these traditional things that are passed down, it, it changes and it's malleable, but the function is usually pretty, pretty similar, the value that it's providing to people. So when I look at a fictional story like this, I know it's really easy to get caught up and go, oh, this is just bullshit. I mean, aliens and ETs <laughs> and channeling and come on, why would anybody even want to do that? But if, because I was trained to look at the function of these kinds of stories, I see that this one is functioning to encourage people to live a life of forgiveness or integration or dropping judgment. And that's totally aligned with the kind of life that I want to live, like the kind of person that I want to be. So I go, okay, I can, I can overlook these other things that I might, that might have turned me away at another point in my life and go, I like the way that these things are functioning. So I'm going to be open. I'm going to be open to that. But plus I also just like exploring these like ideas that I've, I would have never, ever thought of anything like this. Well, it's like the sense of wonder that like, you know, you leave Mormonism and, you're, and it's, I don't, I was always given the answers in the back of the book and now I just get to like figure it out and work through it on my own. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, but I love what you just said there. Cause it, that's, what's resonating with me. It's, it's not shame-based or fear-based. Yeah. And I think that's a difference for me, right? It's to where and I'll keep exploring because you're not telling me I need to be a certain way or believe a certain thing. Or, you know, if this doesn't resonate me, resonate with me, maybe I don't have to, but if it's something that's feels like it's make, yeah. Dropping judgment, like, and it's not, yeah, I mean, you said it better, but <laughs> to, to, to think, to think that every single person is source energy. And from that perspective, there is no hierarchy. Everyone is equally divine, equally worthy equally love, equally loved, you know, I, that is, uh, so there isn't sh the shaming, like you said, there isn't that sense of, well, this person's unworthy or, or I'm unworthy or anything yeah. like that. It's a, it's just a different way of looking at who and what we are and why we're here to try to create a, a more peaceful self. And she'll get into that when she talks about the lower vibration vibrational frequencies but before i yeah. wanted to say that the role-playing game analogy is one of the best ones i think that's like <laughs> right or just thinking about like yeah me right now when you think of i am the one i'm not me i'm the one witnessing all of this in all parts yeah. of me so i this mic this handsome mic avatar right uh -huh. to come yeah, here right and uh and so i almost sometimes picture myself when i'm trying to picture the observer picture myself on a couch watching my life right and playing yeah. it with with the controller it yeah. helps sometimes yeah and and one of the things that she said about it is you know there are a lot of people who say that i was cleopatra in a past life or i was napoleon in a past life you know how could so many people really have been that person but if you adopt this idea of blueprints and filters and overlays uh that okay it's because they wanted to they wanted to be able to have a certain experience in their gamer profile and there's only a certain number of dictators that lived in this particular place and time under these conditions to add as an imprint or an overlay i mean i would i would take on cleopatra's overlay i want to know what life was oh, like yeah. as cleopatra yes <laughs> makes it all so fun right <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah all right next clip this one's going to talk about walk-ins. Mm. We are all connected. We all share experience and records. 
we all watch and review each other's records so that we have a greater understanding of experience of source energy, everything that source is experiencing because we are source energy. Now those who are walk-ins, those who were not the original person who incarnated the body when the, when the body was born, uh, they will take on and they contract beforehand the imprint of the being who was in the physical vehicle before they walk in. Usually there's a dramatic event, some sort of near-death experience. Not always, but quite often because it just makes the transition a bit easier because the original soul disengages from the body. It's a, it's a little easier, especially if you're talking, uh, you're talking about someone who has been through incarnational cycles and been through the death cycle. They, they, they know when it's time to extract and they're familiar with that sensation. So a lot of times they will contract to do it during near death. Now, occasionally you've got some beings who haven't been here before. They'll step in and say, no, thank you. Uh, you know, I thought this might be okay, but I'm not interested. And they will walk out and someone will usually walk in because you've got a perfectly good body, a perfectly good blueprint, and there are a lot of beings who want to be here. So they will take it over. Walk-ins are far, far more common than you all think. We would say about um, 15 to 20% of your population is a walk-in. 15 to 20% of the population is a walk-in. That blew my mind. <laughs> All of it. One, I was like, what is what, she even talking about? Yeah. Do, what, what do you think it means? What, what, is, what do you think she's talking about? So, okay. I'll start because um, the woman who introduced me to a lot of these concepts has experience with this personally, where her twin flame, are you guys familiar with twin flames? No. I think it's, it bears like some explanation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of... It's one of those things that people use now all the time and kind of over-popularizing it. And um, really, it's just like a part of your soul that you split off into two and you're still connected. And sometimes you meet when you're on Earth and sometimes you don't. It's, I guess, what am I trying to say? People painted out to be like this romantic thing like oh my twin flame and we're meant to be together but it's not always romantic and so so it's like, it is like a soulmate kind of it's it's almost like you're part of the same soul that mm. just splintered off and you just have this connection with each other yeah. so this woman who is my teacher she talks about her twin flame and how one day she met up with him and he was just like not there and she knew that this person wasn't her twin flame. She was like, where did he, where did you go? And then she, in a meditation, she found him like floating somewhere on a different planet. And she's like, excuse me, what, why are you up here? And he was like, I just couldn't do it anymore. I didn't want to do it anymore. And so someone else literally just walked into his body and she felt it right away. Wow. Um, she's the one that does Akashic readings mm -hmm. and stuff for me. So uh, I found that very interesting and I wanted to read more into it. And here's a wild idea. I've heard this floating around that potentially Jesus was a walk-in because there was a good span of his life where he disappeared and no one really knows where he went. And then he came back and all of a sudden he's performing miracles. So some people say maybe he was a walk-in. Uh, and then that makes you think too, okay, well, what about the people where you hear of children who 
have near-death experiences or die, come back, and all of a sudden they're masters at the piano or can play an instrument perfectly. Maybe they were walk-ins. I, I, I released, um, last week I released two episodes uh, about Sam Harris and free will that I did with a, a listener named Eric. And at the beginning of part one, Eric told a story of when he had a head injury as a kid and his entire personality changed. You know, when I was 14, um, I su suffered a traumatic brain injury. And um, I woke up, I, I literally got an extremely severe concussion, uh, woke up two days later and was a completely different person. And having woken up a completely different person, um, you know, and having to navigate, it, it was like I was a stranger to myself and it, it was like I saw the person I was before and it was like that was just a stranger who happened to share memories. Yeah. Um, and the reason Did you I snap back that, to the person you were before? Are you still are you still? No. Uh, so you're you're Eric 2.0. That's what I, I, I yeah, I, I've referred to it as Eric one and Eric two. Mm. And so to experience such a profound shift in mm. not only just it, we're not just talking personality, we're talking everything that was intrinsic to the self I considered before. Give me and some I, examples. I, what, what, what changed? So my, my beliefs that resonated with me and didn't resonate with me um, completely changed. My interests completely changed. I was able to play guitar a little bit before my, my head injury. And after my head injury, I could no longer play sports. So I started kind of looking elsewhere for extracurriculars and whatnot. And one day I sat down at the piano and within two weeks, I was performing in front of audiences. Wow. And when he came back, like he sat down, like he, he could play the guitar a little bit before, but then after the head injury, he like sat down at the piano and within a week or two, he was playing in front of audiences or something like that. And I didn't say anything, but as I was listening to him tell that story, I thought, yeah, he's a walk-in. <laughs> <laughs> that like, sounds like a walk-in to me. Yeah. Do we know for a while? Like, because uh, when I listened to that, I was thinking to myself, am I a walk-in? <laughs> yeah, she goes on to, yeah. And, and this is where it would have been, not, and, and you've got the file, so you can go back and you can listen to the full thing. What she, but she, she, she gives more detail than just in the little clips that I pulled out of this. And she says that from the perspective of the person who's living the life, you can't even tell. And even in some cases, the soul doesn't even know. In, in some cases, the soul wants to know, but in other cases, they don't. And it doesn't really matter one way or the other because mm -hmm. the experiences that they're walking into, they experience it just as if it was their own life. And it's, it's just that some, some, you know, like in the story that you told Shalise will be floating around on another planet going, eh, no, I'm not interested in that at all but you've got this perfectly good body there with this perfectly good imprint and overlay on it and there's lots of souls that want to play this game in earth and so the person that has the next number in line just steps in and and comes in um <laughs> you know what's funny about you saying that sometimes they don't even know um there's someone who i was just talking to about this and she was telling me about how when she was sick she died and then came back and then all of a sudden she can see auras she can see energy, all of this stuff around people. And I asked her, I was like, do you think you're a walk-in? Mm. And she, she looked at me, she's like, what? <laughs> what is that? And when I explained it to her, she kind of 
sat there with it and said, it's really weird that you say that because my mom, after that experience, looked at me straight in the face multiple times and said, you're not my daughter. Mm, Jeez. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. That's sad. It is <laughs> sad. sad. Yeah. It it's is. really sad. Yeah. Um, a- another thing that came up in, in outside of the clips that I shared with you, somebody in the audience asked Wendy the question or asked the Pleiadians, asked the Ps the question <laughs> um, with these walk-ins, does, you know, because since, since there's like multiple versions of you that are existing side by side, depending on which harp string of reality you're on if does a walk-in inhabit all of those different bodies all of those different egos or is it just one or pick and she said usually it's all of them but there's times where it's just a selective selective ones she also said sometimes sometimes there's soul contracts between souls that they say okay you take this one in childhood i'm not interested in going through childhood but i want to pick up right about here where this stuff starts going on and so they they do like tag team oh wow stuff and uh why not i mean (laughs) if you're gonna entertain all this stuff anyway why not (laughs) right and you know what if we're really these devious beings who just like to i don't know if devious is the right word but it's a part of it uh just like to play and grow and have fun why not be like yeah you can walk out and someone else can walk in i don't know (laughs) yeah and i i I love the thought of it as like a virtual reality game that's being Mm. played by omniscient omnipotent energies that are just so bored with being (laughs) omniscient you know yeah They, they want they want to be surprised they want to have something that they've never experienced before but how can you you've experienced everything so we got to forget and sometimes and the pretend. headset gets really hot and sweaty and you know you're just like hey <laughs> pass we're just all we're all at a party right now passing yes <laughs> yeah, i'm out <laughs> i actually got that impression once when i was it was my first mushroom trip actually I swear I was up on some sort of spaceship and I was walking through the halls and I saw all this machinery. And in my head, I was like, oh, that machinery is running the simulation for Earth. Like it just came to me and I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. And I kind of felt like I was sneaking around like someone was going to kick me out at any moment. (laughs) How do you experience that when you're when when you're in a mushroom trip and you kind of is this like a closed eye vision but you see yourself walking around like because i picture like a movie like if i'm watching a movie i kind of see you doing that in the movie is that what you're seeing sometimes um in this specific experience i was seeing it through my own eyes really like i was actually there and i couldn't see myself unless i looked down at my hands but it was me walking through the halls incredibly long fingers yeah Yeah. (laughs) Canadian hands yeah yeah <laughs> wow. All right, let's go on to the next clip here. This is this next one sounded a lot to me like a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme for source energy. So Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> and that is where we will pick up next week. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I want to remind you again of my new website, glenoslin.com, where you can come by and schedule a time to chat with me. I've also got a survey. I'd love you to fill out the survey. You can go to infantsonthrones.com, check out this episode and find the link. And then, of course, I would always love you to come and support the podcast on Patreon if you haven't started doing that already. Just as little as a dollar a month to say thank you for the work that's being done here and to help continue supporting the podcast. 
And stick around to the very end to hear the extended Easter egg of my question to Wendy Kennedy and her response. And if you want to hear more about that, come check out the study group. Sergeant Prophets Open Hearts Club Virtual Study Group Thingy What Whatever. All right. Thanks for listening to Invent Sound Thrones. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Dashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes. And take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on the night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic. We are going to go ahead with our next live question. Go ahead, Glenn. All right. Um, I, I just want to first say thank you for what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, listening to your old recordings and pondering the ideas that you present is my new most favorite way to spend my time. And as I do it, I start getting kind of messages myself, which leads me to the question that I have for you here. I'd like to hear you talk about imagination versus reality. Specifically, I want to know if Wendy is getting information from intelligent beings that live millions of miles away in outer space, or if the information is coming from deep inside of her subconscious mind, or is there really no difference at all? So do the peas exist in an external outer reality or an imagined inner reality? And what is the relationship between imagination and reality? We could spend hours on this one, so we'll we'll try to let's do to it. Be brief. <laughs> so, um, so there are really we'll give you two answers. So, um, it depends on the level of consciousness asking the question. From the three D level of the question, yes, we are external beings. We are beings of light, and we do hold a consciousness. Um, what could be perceived as a physical expression of light. That is how you would see us. If you could see us, we would be light. Um, From a fifth dimensional level of asking that question, um, we're not millions of miles away. We're here now. We're with you now. We are everywhere all at once. So this is why you know, when we answer questions, we do our best to answer them in such a way that will expand your consciousness and give you an answer that will sometimes quiet the mind. Um, because if we were to give you the fifth dimensional version, then that would get the mind <laughs> asking 50 million questions about it and it'll keep you up in your head. So we examine all of that when we give you answers. So for, for all of you, we're going to give you two versions So it will hopefully 
satisfy one of those versions. So again, from the 3D reality, yes, we are light, we are external. Um, we have a vested interest in what is going on here because there is an aspect of us that is also an aspect of Wendy. All right, so there is a, a part of her, part of her oversoul that has incarnated and is a part of this collective. So you could say also she's a physicalized expression of us as well, just a 3D version. So is the information deep within her soul? Yes, because she's also a spark of the divine, just as the information is within you. You are holographic and fractal in nature. So everything that exists in the universe also exists within you and you have access to all of it. In order to function and operate under the illusion of this 3D game, you partition off your awareness of all of that extra information that you don't really need for the game because it would be overwhelming. Think about just an example, your closet. You've got lots and lots of clothes in your closet, but you're only wearing one outfit at a time. And if you go off on a trip, you might pack three or four different outfits because that's all you're going to need for your trip. It's the same thing as you enter into density. You don't need access to all those records because you're not going to use all those records. So rather than pack 15 bags for your trip to take all of your closet with you, you're only going to take one. And so you're not going to pack all of that information and make it available to your energetic field in order to exist as a human being to operate. But it is there and it is available to you should you need it. That's why when you go to your heart-centered space, when you start to meditate, you can start to access it if it is needed. Now, the information that most of you will access is information that pertains to what is going on in your life here and now. So if you start accessing past lives or going into the Akashic Records to look at things, it's because there is some sort of correlation to something that you are trying to integrate. It's either a skill, gift, or ability that you want to access or it is a past life memory with that includes some sort of lack, limitation, separation that you are trying to integrate here and now. It could also be a future life, not just past, but we tend to reference it in that, that way because it's too much for the mind to think about having that whole experience all at once. So now from a fifth dimensional level, you ask us that question and we would say all that information is available to you all the time. And is it imagination or is it actually accessing um, potential or what has been, what will be. And we would say to you, what's the difference? In some ways, your reality is your imagination. It is a projection of your imagination because your imagination is based off of the thoughts, the belief systems that you are holding. There is a small amount of a frequency that is agreed upon by the collective. And then you carry with you all of your past experiences that you create a foundation of the vibrational experience on. This story is an imagined story because if you actually went and looked at your experience, if you could go back to the moment where you had it, and you could see it from 360 degrees, you'd, you'd recognize that, oh, well, you know, 
that's really not what that person said to me, but that's not what I heard because I was running this belief. And I had this filter, this limiting belief that said I wasn't enough. And so what I heard them say was that I'm not enough. And that really wasn't what they were saying at all, because you're looking at it from an objective standpoint now, but the story that you carried forward, that you built your life upon, that you built this current moment upon is the one that you're not enough. And you've been dragging that past story with you. It was your imagined story. It wasn't the totality of what was experienced. The totality of what was experienced could be perceived from the fifth dimensional level, from the 3D, because you didn't need it in order to have this experience, this amazing experience of perceived lack, limitation, and separation. You partitioned out all that other data. All right. So is it real? Is it imagined? We would say in some ways, it is no different. If you were to ask Wendy, she would tell you it feels different in the body. The base frequency of it feels different because it is not colored by the story. It doesn't feel the same way. Now, every channel will color the information because they're a translator. You will color the information that you hear because you are a translator for that information. How does this apply to my life? So you translate it in a way that makes sense for you to utilize it. So everything is being colored by perspective. We, as we present the information, are coloring it by our perspective of reality. So there are all these different levels and layers of filters that the information is passing through. So is it real or is it imagination? Depends on how you're asking the question, what vantage point you're looking at it from. The only place that pure information exists is at source level because you are seeing everything unfiltered. You're experiencing everything without a filter from every single an angle all at once. Uh, and that just simply cannot be processed through the human body. If you were to even process it, the body would immediately dissolve because the frequency would be way too high. The physical body is a representation of your energetic state. So uh, you have to have a limited range of frequency in order to physicalize a body, all right? In order to have a container that's dense enough, the range of frequency has to be pretty small in order to manifest that. Because if you ran too many high frequencies, then the body that couldn't remain dense. And this is what's happening as you go into a fifth dimensional level. Your body is going through a transformation because the frequencies that you hold in your energetic field are higher in nature. So the body becomes a lighter version of a body, meaning lighter frequencies, but also it carries more particles of light in it. Your DNA is going through a change. You have more than the dense three strands of physical DNA you have 12 strands and some of them are um, not visible in the spectrum of light that you are currently using as science. So when you are able to start to see into some of these other bands of frequency of light, you will see that there are more strands of DNA. And as you're moving through the sector of space with the rich photonic energy, it is stimulating these other strands and they are, um, they're growing stronger. They're, you know, your DNA is an antenna for source energy. And so when they're, they're being stimulated, they're getting stronger and stronger. The signal's getting stronger. And so your antenna, you're running more energy through them because you're starting to pick up that energy 
And, and so think of um, a cable. If you don't have a lot of wattage going down a cable, you don't need a really thick cable that can handle that. But if there's all this energy pulsing through it, you need to have a cable that's capable of handling that signal. And as you move up in frequency, you are expanding um, the range that you are um, bringing in and experiencing. And so you need a better receptor a stronger receptor. And so you're growing in a sense, DNA. That's the best way that we can kind of explain it to you. Science hasn't figured that out. And by the way, your science is not pure. Uh, the purity of your science is long gone. Um, your science today is corrupted by an agenda. It's not impartial. Uh, there's too much money involved in it and there are expectations. So it's not pure scientific curiosity. There, there is an outcome attached, uh, money often attached to it. And so um, there are those who go in with a pure heart, but the information that they're building their research on is not pure. Um, there is way more technology, uh, an advancement of technology that you all have, that you um, have not been exposed to. Your technology is way farther advanced on the planet. And that information has been suppressed. It's been kept from you. So you all are struggling to try to move forward uh, on technology and awareness of the structure of the universe that is not accurate. And there are those on your planet who know this. And so it is, it's in some ways we would say challenging for us to watch this. We know there is purpose behind it. Um, we never like to see you struggle, but we also know that there is soul growth in that. And so we honor you as souls having this experience and know that you will get there in your own time. There are so many of you who are starting to spark with ideas and creativity about new ways of being, new ways of having energy, uh, new ways of um, creating balance on the planet, uh, of recycling and things like that, that... Um, that it can't, this technology can't be suppressed for too much long, longer. We're going to go off on a slightly, uh, another tangent here, and then we'll come back around. But um, we want to talk about disclosure here. Um, we talked about this last month and we want to talk about, about it again, because it is coming up here shortly. There is, um, there's a lot more coming out about the um, UFOs and things that are coming from the government, specifically the U S government. Um, and, you know, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, that you all know that we're here. There are many different groups, many different agendas. And, um, you know, those are the highest frequency. We will not just show up, not intentionally anyway, for the collective, because there are too many people who have too much fear going on. For individuals, as they are ready, we will show up. You will see us. To disclose on a grand scale, um, the higher beings, you know, that's, that's not our intention because it creates too much fear, but there are some that are fifth dimensional who, um, who have a different perspective of reality and who are kind of forcing the hand here. So they have been given an ultimatum for disclosure and those that have been controlling, manipulating events are wanting to disclose in a particular way to avoid you all asking the right questions like free energy and time travel and the nature of reality. So if they can present it in a way that generates fear, that's gonna keep you from asking those questions. So how disclosure comes out and how things get manipulated 
um, there probably be a lot of fear woven into it. We don't want you to buy into the story because if the intention was for beings to come and overrun um, humanity, uh, then we would have done it already. We don't need a disclosure for that. We're here to be of support to you, to observe what's going on. Now, yes, there are some fringe groups here. Um, some of them have been here for millennia. They have been here doing, uh, some of them for millions of years. Uh, they've been doing um, grand experiments. They've been doing hybridized projects, not necessarily with humans, some with humans, but they've been doing projects nonetheless. And, you know, some of them could care less about humans. They're more interested in aquatic life or, um, you know, insect life. And uh, so that's been their focus of study. Um, but some have a more nefarious purpose, just as humans do. And what goes on intergalactically, interdimensionally, also goes on human to human. So as you start to integrate some of these issues and fears that you have with dealing with other human beings, when you get introduced to interdimensionals or extraterrestrials, you're able to hold your own. You're able to hold your power. You don't give it away. You aren't running away in fear because you are already grounded and centered. So we want you to remember this. Um, and we want you to know that this is just a pathway. It gets the conversation started. It doesn't have to be where the conversation stays or where it ends. So know that there are many beings of light who are here to support you and question what you're being told. We would say the same for what we say to you. Question what we say to you. Do your own research. Check in with yourself. Is this my truth? All right. That's going to be really important because we said, doesn't matter which side, each side is spinning, spinning the story, spinning the tale, sharing a story that benefits them. All right. Even we do it to some extent. You know, we have an agenda. Every being has an agenda. We're just upfront about it. And our agenda aligns more with yours, meaning it is our hope to be able to support you, to help you to learn to be stewards for your own planet. That's what we've come to help you to do. All right, so our agenda is aligned with yours. Um, but all beings have an agenda at some level. Might not be deeply nefarious, all right? It might be rather innocuous. There's something we learn from you, all right? We're here to learn from you. And that's okay. All right. So we went off on a big tangent. Um, so we hope we answered the original question. Um, just know that it doesn't really matter in the end, whether it is what you think is your imagination or channeling. The differences in how that energy is going to feel to you. If it's coming up in your imagination, then we would say, go with it for now until you get information that tells you otherwise. And then you can make a course correction. All right, it's as simple as that. But what you'll find is the more often you're in that heart-centered space and you start getting information, you'll notice the subtlety of that frequency is different. It feels different. And then every time you experience that, you'll say, oh, the frequency of this information when I get it feels very different than when I'm down here playing in my imagination because the carrier wave, the energy underneath it is different. But when I've trusted it, when it came from up here, uh, you know, it's manifested. It's been very easy to see. This came 
came to pass. It was true. All right. It was higher knowledge or wisdom for me. You will notice a difference and ask your guides for assistance. Ask beings of the highest frequencies of light and love to assist you. All right. Until you get the information, the confirmation, or you don't want it anymore. All right. So that's a long, long winded answer. So Miss Lisa, moving on. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.